Romans chapter 16, we're going to look at, again, uh, two people in this chapter. Again, just a reminder, this chapter is Paul greeting some people he knew, some people he heard about, um, but all people he's commending, and we see and we can learn. Sometimes the only thing we know about these people is from a few words here in Romans 16. But what we can learn uh, from a lot of these people is what he commends in them or how he describes them. And we wonder about ourselves and about brothers and sisters all over the globe. And, you know, if, if someone was writing today, would they write this about someone they know? And so this morning, I want us to look at uh, two folks in Romans chapter 16. And it's verse... Uh, sorry, blow one away here. Uh, verse 7 is where we'll look specifically... This, this verse has been hijacked by some people, and I'm not going to address that. Well, I'm going to address what they are, not uh, how people want to hijack this verse. But let me begin with just a word of prayer that God may speak to us. Uh, Father, this word is your word. It's living and active, and it is useful for our teaching, our correction, and our training in righteousness. So we pray that you would open our ears to hear what you have to say. Even now in this moment, we pray, give us grace. In Christ's name, amen. So verse 7, there are two people here. It says, Greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. We learn a few things about this uh, pair of people. It is most likely that it is a man and a woman, likely husband and wife, Andronicus and Junia. And Paul notes something about them. He says, They're my kinsmen. Uh, as in, uh, obviously, relatives, but he doesn't necessarily mean cousins or aunts or uncles, but he does mean that they are Jewish. So we know that about these folks, that they are Jewish believers who are now living in Rome. This Jewish couple living in Rome, serving in Rome, and they are well-known among the apostles or they are uh, exemplary among the apostles. However, your translation lists that. But Paul also mentions something about them that is not very common uh, in, in his greetings, especially in here in chapter 16. These are the only people that he mentions this about, is that they were fellow prisoners. That they were fellow prisoners with him. That doesn't necessarily mean that they shared a jail cell with him or they were imprisoned at the same time as him. It does mean that they were imprisoned. And they were imprisoned for Christ as Paul was. One thing you note about prisoners for Christ is, it is not rare. It's not rare. We have come so comfortable in our North American Christianity that we think if things are uncomfortable, that can't be God. But it has been seen since the beginning of the church until this day where Christians have been imprisoned for preaching Christ. It is not uncommon in the church for a Christian to be imprisoned. It is only uncommon in our land for now for Christians to be imprisoned for preaching Christ. He mentions that they are fellow prisoners. Greet them, my fellow prisoners. He Maybe, I'm sure those in Rome would have known this reputation of Andronicus and Junia that they had been imprisoned for Christ at some point or had faced some sort of legal trial for their preaching of Christ. They were exemplary as apostles, not necessarily as the 12 apostles or as authoritative apostles, but in apostolic ministry, in planting churches, in doing missionary journeys. 
So they were serving the church fervently. And because of that, they were facing prison at some point in their life. It's not uncommon. And Christ himself tells us that and tells us to expect it. In Luke chapter 21 and verse 12, Jesus speaking about the end and when the end will come, he says, but before all these things, they will lay hands on you and they will persecute you. They will hand you over to the synagogue and prisons and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. Jesus himself says it's coming because of my name, because not just that you represent my name, but because you are preaching my name, they will persecute you. They will lay hands on you and they will put you in prison. Christ tells his disciples that, the, the, the 12. But it goes beyond that. It's not just the 12. It's those who are in his name. And if that butts up against a greater authority, you're going to have an authority struggle. And we say as Christians, Jesus is king. He's the name above all names. He's the name that I worship and I give my allegiance to above all. And so if that comes up against an allegiance of a, an authority that is willing to put you in prison, it'll happen. Countries all over the world. You can go to, um, you know, Operation World or Joshua Project or Open Doors Ministries. All these ministries collect data in the world of persecuted Christians. They have a list of 100 countries where it is dangerous to be a Christian. 100 countries. Iraq, Iran. If you decide that you want to share Christ with a loved one, you'll go to jail if they catch you. Jordan, I have a friend who lived in Jordan and there were secret police who would ask him for a Bible because if he gave them a Bible, they would arrest him on the spot and put him in prison. There were secret police trying to move into the neighborhood to hear if he was actually inviting people over for Bible studies as he was. There were secret police always trying to trip him up and say, can you please just tell me how I can become a Christian? Because if he told them how to convert from Islam to Christ, he'd go to jail. This is today. There are Christians all over the world who are facing prison time for the name of Christ. Not just because they're Christian in name, but because they are doing something for Christ and they are saying he is the name above all name. He is the authority we worship and adore. But Jesus said, this is what's coming. If you're about to battle the world, you're about to live in this world, this world's against me. It's not for me. And so they're going to do what they're going to try to do to shut you up. And they did it to Paul. They did it to Paul in the early days, didn't they? And not only Paul, they did it multiple times. They did it to Jeremiah. They stuck him in a, in a, in a cistern, a muddy well. He's not... Uh, Paul's not the first one to be in prisons. Andronicus and, and Junia are not the first one to be imprisoned for Christ. And they will not be the last one to be imprisoned for Christ and for their ministry in Christ. Amazing what Paul says to the church at Philippi. He says about this kind of suffering. He says, it has been granted to you. It has been granted to you on Christ's behalf, not only that you would believe in him, but also that you would suffer for him. Since you have engaged in the same struggle that I saw you had and now I hear you have. He says, it's been granted to you. It's a gift to you that not, not only that you would just believe in him, but you might also suffer for his name. If you're going to share his name, you're going to run into opposition. And, and you may feel that, you know, even within your own heart when you think, I don't know if I want to share Christ with my family member. I don't want there to be hostility. 
right? You, you, you have that sense in you that believing in Jesus is not easy believism. It's not just come to Jesus, easy life now, coast to heaven. You know that sanctification is hard. Sharing Christ is hard. It's all hard. But Paul says that's been granted to you to, to struggle as your Lord struggled in this very mission to bring glory to God for his name. In Acts, there is a number of accounts of those Christians, early church, who have been uh, imprisoned. Acts chapter 5 is one example, and it's speaking of Peter. So it says, they arrested the apostles, and they put them in a public jail. But, and here you, you may know the story, but an angel of the Lord opened the jail doors at night and brought them out and said, go and stand in the temple and tell the people about this life. So they were in prison, but God let them out. In Acts chapter 12, uh, it says, When King Herod violently attacked some who belonged to the church, he executed James, the, John's brother, with the sword. And he, when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter too. During the festival of unleavened bread, after the arrest, he put him in prison. He assigned four squads of four soldiers, each to guard him intending to bring him to the people after the Passover. So when Peter was kept in prison, but the church was praying fervently to God for him. But when Herod was about to bring him out for a trial, that very night, Peter bound with two chains, was sleeping between two soldiers. While the, the sentries in the front door guarded the prison, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared. And the light shone in the cell, striking Peter on the side. He woke him up and said, get up. The chains fell off, get dressed. And the angel told him to put on his sandals and go. Amazing. He was literally chained to two guards. There were guards at the door. There was guards all over the place. And yet God released Peter from that prison. But he doesn't always release his loved ones from prison. There is no guarantee that they will ever get out of prison. Paul was put into prison as well. We know that, and, and there's this uh, account in Acts chapter 16. You can read the full account another time, but I want to highlight what, how Paul faced one of his prison sentences. He's with Silas. You probably know this story. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying in prison, and they were singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. You wonder, why, why were they put there? Why together? Why with those prisoners? Why in that area? Those prisoners heard praises to God. They heard Paul celebrating what God had done. And, and this is the story in Philippi where there was suddenly this earthquake. The chains came off, the doors busted open, and the, the Philippian jailer wanted to kill himself. Because he knew that if these prisoners escaped, that he was done for anyways. And so he took out his sword to kill himself. But Paul said, stop, we're all still here. That's when the Philippian jailer asked him, okay, I, I heard you singing and I heard you praying and I know that your God is up to something. How can I be saved? How can I be rescued from the life that's trapped my, my soul? And so they told them about the Lord Jesus. They told this jailer about the Lord Jesus. He believed and he was saved that very night. Went home. He said, Paul, Silas, you got to come to my house, preach to my family. I want them to hear Christ. The family hears Christ. They believe and they're all baptized. And then after that, after that experience and then being able to leave even from there, they went to Lydia's house where they encouraged the believers. And so Paul, while he was in prison, was like, okay, I'm in prison. I'm going to make the best use of my time and 
God's going to use me here. And then he was given over to this, this jailer and he made the best use of that time. And then as soon as he left, he made the best use of his time to encourage the brothers and sisters. And then he departed on his way. Amazingly, Paul was arrested again and again. But what's interesting about the Apostle Paul is before Paul came to the Lord Jesus, he was one who arrested Christians. He put them in jail himself. He says it in Acts chapter 26. He says, I actually did this in Jerusalem and I locked up many saints in prison. Since I had received authority, when some were put to death, I was in agreement against them. So Paul himself admits, like, I used to do this. So I, I get it. I get where they're coming from. They're following orders. I understand. So Paul probably never had anything against the jailers, even if they were to treat him cruelly. He prayed for them because he probably realized as, as a prisoner, he wondered if anybody had prayed for him when he was persecuting them. And you can guarantee that they were praying for Paul as he was putting them in prison, as they were killing as Paul, with authority, was killing people's loved ones, they were praying for Paul. And Paul, by God's grace, was released from his chains and he was free to serve Christ. Paul mentions many imprisonments to the Corinthian church and, and others there. And he says, it says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 34, For you sympathize with the prisoners and accepted the joy of the confiscation of your possessions because you know that you yourself have a better and enduring possession. Christians of that day of the early church said, so what? Put me in prison. This is not my home. Those things that you try to take away from me, they're going to be gone and I should give them away anyways. A, A true Christian says, if this is for Christ and if this is for God's glory, put me there. Put me where you need to put me. Do what you need to do to me because I have seen what my Lord went through. My very Savior was arrested, wrongly accused, put in and out of prison a number of times. And for what? For God's glory and for God's great purpose. So if this is what God has for me, so be it. So be it. I will do it for his sake. Paul was in prison and he was not treated kindly. Paul was not treated kindly. When Paul and Silas were put into prison where they were praying and singing hymns to God, before they got there, Acts chapter 16 tells us that they were publicly stripped naked, marched through the town square to humiliate them. They were severely flogged. We think, you know, when you think about flogging, you normally just think about Jesus. Paul was severely flogged. Silas was flogged. Their flesh was torn. They were naked and ashamed, walking through the city center to make a mockery of these men. And how did they end that night? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. (laughs) It's amazing their response to what had happened to them. It was amazing to see what God had done in and through them. They were, even when they were put into prison, it says later in that chapter in Acts 16, and this may have even been when they were singing, that they were chained and their feet were fastened in stocks. Their feet were put into a wooden device that would make it uncomfortable for them, spread their legs so that they would be uncomfortable. Well, they were singing praises. And Paul was mistreated in military uh, barracks in Jerusalem. Paul was placed in barracks a number of times. And Paul ultimately, when he was taken to Rome, he was confined to house arrest in that sort of prison experience. But God has a plan and a provision for 
of prison. I'm going to preach a few more minutes if this rain just spits on us. First, three things I want to tell you about God's plan for prison. Uh, number one, it was to advance the gospel. Uh, in Philippians 1 verse 12, he says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel so that it became known to the whole imperial guard because I am in Christ. Second thing, God gives other Christians confidence to preach Christ. He says in uh, Philippians chapter 1 verse 14, uh, most have gained, he's talking about other Christians, they have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment, and they have done even more bold speaking of the word fearlessly. And the third thing is that Christ would be honored by imprisonment. It says, my eager, in Philippians 1.20, my eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed of anything. But now, as always, with all courage, Christ would be highly honored in my body. So three things that God's plan for prison and persecution did was advance the gospel, give other Christians confidence, and that Christ would be honored. Obviously, Christians were mistreated. Paul was mistreated. But at the end, Christ speaks of those Christians who respond to others with love and grace and mercy. Christ himself speaking when he's spreading the goats and the sheep. He says, the sheep are those who care for those in prison. They visit them in prison. And those who came to him said, what, what? when didn't we visit you? He says, that, that's not what matters. Do you care for those who are in prison? In Hebrews chapter 13, it tells us to remember those in prison as though you were in prison with them. Psalm 69 says, he does not despise those who are in prison. God has a heart for those who are in prison because sometimes that's a part of his plan for you, for me, for those across the world. Today, this very day, we have brothers and sisters in Christ who are in a jail cell because they wanted to tell a loved one about Jesus. Do they think it was worth it? Yes. I was reading yesterday of a number of people from uh, Eritrea who are, have been in prison for 17 years simply because they told another person about Jesus Christ and because they told them about faith in the Lord and the gospel. 17 years in a jail cell, mistreated. Do they think it's worth it? Yes. Yes, and yes, and yes. And so the question to us is, if we ever come to that, will we face it with singing and prayer and joy? And, and for those who are there, are we encouraging them, equipping them, surrounding them with our love and our support? Are we supporting families of those imprisoned, wrongly imprisoned or not? Or are we ashamed of what God uh, maybe has done in some of those lives and what he might do in our lives? May we be those, if that ever comes to the day, where we would stand up and say, take me in chains if you must. As long as, number one, the gospel's advanced. Number two, uh, Christians are built in their confidence. And number three, God gets the glory. It doesn't matter what you do to me in this life. I love the Apostle Paul, right? Because he says, uh, to, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Put me in prison. It doesn't matter. I'm going to sing and I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for the jailers kill me. It doesn't matter. I go to see Christ. Do what you need to do to me because this life is not my home. This is not the ultimate. And so do we have that heart? When Andronicus and Junia were fellow prisoners with Paul, he, he commends them. He says, greet them. These are my brothers and sisters who have been willing to, to serve Christ at whatever cost. And so the question for you and for me as we face uncertain days 
this year, next year, 10 years from now? What's coming for those who will preach Christ and stand up against the authorities? Is prison coming? If so, may God be glorified. May the gospel be advanced and may Christians be encouraged. May we be strengthened as we know of Christians right today who sit in prison because they told someone Christ loves you and wants to forgive you for your sin. May we be those who don't uh, shy away. And as Paul says, may I not be ever ashamed of my chains. Paul was never ashamed. He often referred to himself as a prisoner for Christ. If that ever comes to the day for you and me, me may, may we be commended as Andronicus and Junia, as those who are in chains for Christ. May we serve him whatever the cost may be, whatever it may become. May we be willing to serve Christ with shackles on, or without. Well, we are still free. May we serve him abundantly. And that's the thing. The, the reason we would ever end up in prison, or some Christians in countries end up in prison, is to silence them. It never silenced Paul, and may it never silence us. Let me pray for us. Well, Father, you are uh, good, and you have uh, um, amazing plans for certain people's lives. And we're so thankful that um, we have brothers and sisters in the world right now who are in a prison sale because they were willing to not turn their back on you. They were willing to uh, pledge their allegiance to you and you alone. May we be brave if we were ever to face that day. May we pray for those in prison. May we be willing uh, to use our current freedoms to share the gospel no matter the cost, knowing that we have brothers and sisters who would uh, face the cost of prison for the sake of doing it. And yet, you know, we might face the cost of uncomfort in relationship or discomfort. May we just put those things aside and be willing to take shackles for your name's sake, for the advancement of the gospel, and for the confidence building of our brothers and sisters in Christ. May you be honored through our time in Christ's name. Amen.